Welcome to this week's Manor House message. We are grateful you are listening with us today. It is our prayer that you will receive a fresh word from God and find encouragement for every season of your journey. Let's listen to this message from Pastor Mark. Well, good morning. How are you doing this morning? You know what's cool about that song is one of our freshman Portland Bible College students wrote that song. Would you put your hands together for the worship team? Isn't that awesome? Well, Merry Christmas to you all. We're so glad that you are here. We know this is a time where we've got lots of guests. We want to just personally thank you for coming on out and hanging out with us on this beautiful Christmas week. Um, I really want to encourage you, Christmas Eve night, which is just a couple of days away. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful services of the year. We do a candle lighting service. It's very intimate and personal and sing lots of songs. It's only about an hour long. And so, man, would love for you to come on out, bring some friends and family. It's going to be a great time together. How many are thinking about coming? Wave at me. All right. Four o'clock and six o'clock. It's going to be awesome. Hey, listen, we are um, in the middle of a series here called Do You See what I see. And what we're doing is we're looking at the Christmas story and we're looking at different people that are part of the story and how they saw the birth of Jesus. Everybody had a different angle on the story, a lot like so many of us here today. And really kind of the big idea that we really want everybody to understand as we get into just the, just the crux of this Christmas season is this, is what you really see determines how you really live. We can see things a certain way, but if it doesn't impact our lives and transform us, we recognize maybe we didn't see it the way that we were supposed to see it at all. And so we've been looking at different characters in this story, and today we're going to talk about the wise men just a little bit. But I often wonder if we in the midst of our holiday season, if we were able just to push aside the noise and the busyness and the parties and the gifts and the lists and the pressures and the anxiety and the depression and the financial pressure and just stop and just really take some time to focus on what is this really all about? If there's one thing that we could ever get out of this particular season is that Jesus came for you. Not just for me, he came for me, but he came for you. And no matter where you're at in your journey, no matter how much that really, really impacts your life or not, I, I, I want to just front load everything that we're saying is this. Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to leave that to come to earth because you matter to him. And so what you see in regards to the story about it being for you really matters how you live. And as we look at this story unfold, what we find is, is that Jesus and the Bible, the Word, it, oftentimes God had to put stuff in front of us to get our attention. He had to put a sign in front of us. And we're going to talk about one of those signs today in Scripture. And the reason why these signs were so important is because we're all human. We all get busy. We all have our last lists. We all have our pressures, our distractions. And here's the reality is sometimes a sign needs to be put in front of us to get our attention. Come on, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about, right? 
And so what we're going to do is we want to look at one of these signs. If you have your Bible, if you'd open up, please, to Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 12. If you have our app today, you can open that as well. And I want to read this particular scripture to you, and I want you to see this word, a star, or the star. How many times it shows up? Because it's a sign. It's something that happened in the midst of the story as we focus on the child and we think about the manger. There's this sign that's put before them all, and you'll watch it repeatedly come up in this scripture. So it says from the top, verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who, was be, who has been born king of the Jews? Listen right here. For we saw his star. It's a sign. We saw his star when it arose. And we've come to worship him. And when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled, and I love this, in all of Jerusalem with him. Something was happening in the heavenlies that was such a significant event. It wasn't like a little twinkle, twinkle little star. It was enough that the entire region was shaken. Think about that. And it says, in assembling all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained from them what time the star, the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. He actually wanted to kill the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Lying through his teeth. After listening to the king, they went out on their way and behold, here it is again. The star, a sign that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the title of my message. Do you see the sign? Do you see the sign? We all understand what signs are about. They're around us every single day. There's things such as road signs that give us directions. There's advertising signs that try to entice you to buy people's stuff. There's warning signs. There's even a thing called speed limit signs. Come on, how many be a little honest this morning and say, hey, I kind of forgot about one of those and got a ticket for speeding once. Come on, wave at me, be honest, Jesus is watching. Yeah, all of you, that's good. You're the ones that support Portland Public Police Department. So 
Here's the reality, is that when you get pulled over for speeding, usually the first question that the officer asks you is this, did you see that sign? Here's the, here's, here's the obvious answer. We saw it, but we didn't pay attention to it. We didn't think it was important, or we thought that maybe it didn't have much impact to our lives. But here was the sobering reality of your encounter, is it cost you something dearly, because you didn't pay attention to the sign. And so as you look at this particular scripture right here, what you find out is this is exactly what's happening. We have an entire world that's out doing their own thing busy. For centuries they had talked about the Messiah that would come and he finally comes and they're keeping about their business. They're they're, they're really not aware of what's taking place. And so we see a star, we see a sign take place. And it's important for us to understand when we look at this story, these aren't just a bunch of like cosmic UFO chasers. I mean, th- these guys are wise men. Back in those times, I mean, it was really important to understand the stars because they didn't have roadsides. So, so they actually had to discern by looking at the stars in the way that they traveled. And from the very beginning of time, what you find, if you go clear back to Genesis chapter 1, is that God actually created the stars. That there's this relationship that God has with stars. And it's not just that he created them. He's intimately involved and knows every single one of them by name. Think about it. There's 176 billion galaxies. Just the Milky Way galaxy alone has 100,000 billion stars. And it says that he knows them intimately and he knows them all by name. Isn't that crazy? And on top of it, as you read scripture, you find out that there's things that happen in the heavenly realm that mean something on earth. And you read throughout Job and you see Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about signs and times in which we live and there's gonna be something in the heavenly. We read in Revelation 12, John writes about things that will happen in the heavens that will be so alarming it will get your attention to where we're gonna have to stop and say, wow, that's a, a sign that God's doing something down here. And so we see that stars have some specific functions in getting our attention. And so it is with this story. And when you begin to just unpack um, what was going on during this time in Luke chapter 2, if you go back and study this, you'll find that astronomers actually can record a phenomenon that took place during this exact moment in time. And what you find in this time is that the largest planet known as Jupiter, it's, it's the one that you can see the largest from the naked eye, they actually call it the king planet. If you can just put some symbology here, think of God being the king of kings. You have the king planet Jupiter. And there's also another star at that time which is called Regulus. And Regulus actually is known as the prince star or the little king. The Persians called it the center star. The Arabs call it the lion's heart star. And Regulus at this time actually began to slow down in its trajectory and its orbit and actually stopped and began to move backwards and then started moving again. 
And when you think of Jupiter, which takes 12 years to orbit the sun, the earth only one time, all of the stars begin to align where where Jupiter from the eye, the naked eye looking up, begin to circle around Regulus. There's this phenomenon taking place, and they actually call it a retrogression to where the heavenlies were showing that God, the king of kings, this Jupiter star, the king, was circling around the prince. And it was such a phenomenon that was taking place as the naked eye could see what was going on. All of Jerusalem began to tremble. The wise men knew that, hey, this is something that was written about thousands of years ago. And right before our eyes, here it is. It's happening. It got their attention. It was a sign. And when you read the scripture, you find out between December 24th and 30th, 2 B.C., That's when this retrogression was happening. That's what scripture records as happening. This is actually a a recorded event in history. How many think that that's pretty cool? And what this story is trying to help us understand is this. In the midst of your busy life, in the midst of everything going on, God tries to get our attention. And what this is trying to show us in this particular story is, is that what we perceive Christmas to really be is probably not what, what it really is. See, when we think about Christmas and what the world tries to tell us about Christmas, it's kind of, we, we kind of have like this Hallmark Channel lens view of Christmas, especially in my house with my wife. I mean, it's just like, and we have this, this idea, this, this romantic, cute story about this baby. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Right, and he's laying in a manger, and the, the little lamb's laying down by the, by, the, by the manger, and you've got all the wise men down there, and all of a sudden, you start hearing, silent night, holy night. And we hear these words, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child. So we have this idea like it's this sweet, romantic, Peaceful, baby, eight pounds, six ounce, infant baby Jesus in a swaddling clothes. Isn't he cute? That isn't what's happened at all. Because when you get back to the way God sees it, this was the greatest, most aggressive, violent military invasion recorded in history. This is where God himself would come in the form of man, put on flesh, and would go toe-to-toe. It was like the clash of the titans, where he would come to conquer hell and death, to confront the devil and his angels, to take the keys of hell and death, to take every challenge that you've ever faced in the sickness and the disease and the depression. He says, I'm going to take that away from the devil. He has no power over your life anymore. That's what was happening in the little cute manger. It's like there was a war going on. It's not just a manger. You can't separate the manger from the cross. It's like this, it's this invasion where the manger to me is almost like a, like a Star Wars capsule. I mean, it's just like God himself is coming into this incubator to conquer hell and death. Here's what scripture says is what was in that manger. And I'm going to read it from Paul's perspective in Colossians 1.15. 
He says, he is, this is speaking about infant baby Jesus here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, meaning your life, your circumstance, your marriage, your future. Amen, Mark. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He is over all things. He's, nothing in your life is out of control. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross in a little cute little manger called baby Jesus. I added that last little part myself. That's what the wise men were pursuing. When they read the stories of Daniel and all of the prophecies, they didn't look at him as a baby. They looked at him as the king of the Jews. It says that's what they were pursuing. They were pursuing, they says, where is the king of the Jews? They didn't say, where is the little baby? They said, we want to know where the king is. And see, that's as we begin to move into Christmas and all of the distractions, there is a sign in the midst of all of our busyness and stuff, there's a sign where we've got to see that Jesus came for you and me. That's who we should be pursuing. And when I think about this story, you've got to ask ourselves this question, right? Like, what does this really all mean to me? Okay, so you read about some stars, and that's a real cool mark and a little Jupiter thing. That's awesome. I'll write that note down. There's some kings here. I mean, like, how do I apply that on December 22nd when I'm thinking about how to cook my prime rib? Thinking about the presents I still need to buy, the fudge I still need to clean off of the table and eat. I'm going to get rid of the 10 pounds I just put in in the last three days. I mean, it's just like, what does this really mean? It means this. There's a sign we better not miss. The reason we celebrate Christmas is not the gifts and the fudge and the cookies. It's that Jesus came for you. And your whole life... Everything that you are, everything that you will be, the reason why you exist is wrapped up in this one moment. And let me just say it this way. Do you see what I see? Because what you see will determine how you really live. And here, here's the honest question we need to ask ourselves. How are you really living? When it comes down to our focus, our attention, our pursuit, our faith, and we really got down to do some honest, personal self-reflection, what's getting more attention? Your list? Your tree? Your stocking? Or Jesus? I can do an altar call right now, right? Jesus, we just thank you, God. Help us. 
Here's three things I pick up from this story. And I try to put my aim and my focus on this as we go into this season. The first thing I see in this story is that Jesus is worthy of our attention. Full attention. And no matter where you're at in your walk, journey of life, whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus or maybe you might not even believe in him or wondering what this is all about, this conversation deserves your attention. In Matthew 2, 2, it says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We talked about that. He wasn't talking about a baby. The stars got his attention. There was something going on. There was a sign. And it's important to understand when you think about this story, these are wise men that have come from from Babylon. They're, They're like 400 miles away. And they saw something and it got their attention. And as you read different commentaries and you look at some of the scholars, they they basically would all agree that these men had been schooled in some of the writings of Daniel from thousands of years before. Daniel was exiled with 10 of the tribes and would go into Babylon. And as you read the book of Daniel about all the prophecies and what he did, thousands of years later, they're thinking about what he wrote and said, I think this is the sign, this is the time. So much so that they had knowledge that when it happened, it got their attention. It got their attention. And and I want you to understand this point, because this is so critical for all of us right now, is that paying attention and knowledge are not the same thing. There's probably not a person in here that doesn't have the knowledge that Christmas represents that Jesus was born. That's called knowledge. That's not paying attention. They're two separate things. And what's interesting about this story, if you look at the next couple verses, Matthew 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, when Herod the king heard this, he heard what was going on. There was rumblings in the heavenly, so so to speak. It says he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and scribes of the people. It's interesting that he chose to get the experts. He didn't have Google. He didn't have Wikipedia. It's like like he had to find someone that really knew what was going on. And so you bring the chief priests and you bring the scribes that have memorized this stuff. And so they begin to ask him the question, If I'm a chief priest, I'm going, are you kidding me? That's happening now. You figure it out. I'm gone. I mean, I'm going to go run after what's going on. But isn't it ironic that they had knowledge? They had it memorized. And so they open up their scrolls and just go, okay, King Herod, let's see here. Yeah, it says right here that the stars would do this and it'd be the born of a Messiah. Yeah, I think that's what that means. Let me get back to my study. It's like, what? They didn't do anything. Here was a sign, and they didn't give it any attention. And before we beat up the chief priests and scribes, be careful here, but it's what we do. We just sung, oh, come, 
all ye faithful. Right? We're just like. Right? I mean, it's just like we have knowledge and we sing about it. We sign our Christmas cards and we pray about it. But we got knowledge of it, but like, it's got our attention. God came for us. Does that not get our attention? Listen, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. If he can't destroy you, he'll just distract you. And we get bombarded with all this stuff. And it's, it's just like, I can't wait for it to get over so I can just get back to my life. And we miss the whole point. Like the scribes, like the priests. All of our lists. Just got to get it all done. know about you, but I just, I, I, older I get, the more I just got to ask myself the question, what am I paying attention to? What really matters? When it's all said and done, what really matters? What matters to me? Jesus. Because next week about this time, everything that stressed you out is going back in a box and into your closet. The stuff that people bought for you, you're not going to tell them, but you're going to take them back for a credit. Or you're going to re-gift them because you already got 12 of them. You sell them on Amazon. I mean, this is, for what? What are you paying attention to? Here's the second thing I find in the story. Because if I'm really paying attention to the fact that Jesus came to die for me, it should then be measured by my pursuit. Our lack of pursuit is measured by our lack of attention. Those that recognize who he really is and what he really did, it'll be measured by your pursuit. And so as I look at the story, the second thing that I see is that Jesus is worthy of our pursuit. Only if he's got your attention. Matthew 2, 1, it says very clearly that they came from the east to Jerusalem. And in verse 8 and 9, it says that they went and searched diligently. And I think about that because they're, they're 400 miles away. I call that a pursuit. How many people walked 400 miles to church today? I mean, usually a hand or two. Or... I mean, this, this took weeks. They, they not only walked 400 miles, they ensembled a, a team of about 1,000 people, loaded up the Campbells, and they walked 400 miles in sandals, not Nikes. I mean, they, it's just like, I call that a pursuit. It's like they dropped everything. As soon as they realized what was really, really happening, nothing else really mattered that much. And, and I think the statement is just so important and so true for us in this season is that the pursuit of Christ flows freely out of paying attention to Christ. The more depressed, the more freaked out we are, the more stressed out we are, the more pressure that we feel in this season, it's an indicator that our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. 
It's probably the reason why I'm rarely stressed out is because it's just an indicator that my eyes are on the wrong thing. And when I can just get my eyes on him and just spend time with him and just receive his love and his presence and his grace and just kind of, I've got to do that every morning. Otherwise, my day is a wreck. I need to give him all of my attention, give my affections towards him, just open up my heart. It's like, ah, I want to pursue him. I think we should probably just get real and ask ourselves this question. What is it that we're pursuing? As we just look at our list today, you're going to leave here to go do what? How much of it has eternal significance? Now, I'm not saying that it's not important. We got family in town and we're going to probably eat some baked potatoes and chili today and got to go to the store. So I'm not saying go fast and go find a cave and go talk to Jesus. I'm not saying that. But in the spirit of this season, it's like, where is Jesus in it? What what are we pursuing? Most Americans today will go in debt, spending money they don't have to give gifts to people that they don't need. Well, actually, in America, spend $670 billion in 30 days, almost a trillion dollars. And here's the sad thing, it'll all end up in a box. And sooner than later, it'll end up at Goodwill, garage sale, or some landfill. And furthermore, our whole life, we, we spend our life trying to build these things. And again, I, I'm into a beautiful house, but I mean, we put so much focus on, like, that's our idol, When at the end of the day, when you die, your kids are just going to sell it for a big screen TV anyways. It's not your kids, it'll be your grandkids. It all just goes back in the box. And I I, I say this often, it's okay to have nice things, just make sure that nice things don't have you. I I look at those things as blessings, ways that I can just thank God and use them for his glory and his purposes. What are we pursuing? What's got our attention? And if we can be honest with those two questions, it's okay, Jesus, I need to give you my attention. I give you my pursuit. The last thing I see in the story that's really important is that Jesus then is worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our faith. I love in verse two where it says, for when they saw the star, I mean, you talk about faith. I mean, these guys, they saw a sign. They stopped everything. They stopped the party and the fudge. And I like fudge. And it's just like, they started a 400-mile journey. Think about that. Just the preparation, what they loaded up, knowing that they're going to go now to the king of kings, they actually made sure that they had the right ingredients. They, they loaded up gold and frankincense and myrrh. So one little kid was asked, what, what did they bring? And the little girl said, gold, Frankenstein, and Smurfs. They didn't bring that. but And then they start a 400-mile journey. Imagine if that's you. You read about something's going to happen in Redding, California. 
Spokane, Washington, and you're going to walk there because you saw a star. I'm sure that when they were on their journey, they started having conversation multiple weeks. Hey, Bill, are we a little crazy here? I think you talk to your wife about what we're doing here. It sounds a little crazy. Like we're kind of like following a star to go see a baby that we think is going to be a king written in some literature from some dude a couple thousand years ago that was a prisoner in our country. We a little crazy. I mean, stop and think about it. You know what that was? Faith. I'm sure that when they came and they laid those gifts at the feet of Jesus. It's so beautiful, so appropriate. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represented a king. Myrrh represented, it was embalming fluid, death. Frankincense represented something that would ascend. So they brought these, as they laid it, it was like they're saying this, this is a king who would die, would raise again. Just put it at his feet. But even in the midst of it, it's still faith. It's like they're, they're bowing before the manger. I'm sure it's going, Chuck, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, why are you putting like, like, this is crazy. Putting all your myrrh there. Does your wife know you're kind of giving the stuff away? He's going, hey, you're giving away gold. But even as they approached the manger, there's still faith. I don't know about you, but I wake up every day with a list of questions. I say, God, I, anybody have life figured out? Got, got God all figured out? Someone, I know no one in this room, but someone online is going, oh yeah, I got it figured out. They're at Starbucks right now. Yeah, it's me. I wake up oftentimes with more questions than I have answers. God, why is our nation falling apart? God, why is there such division and strife and hatred? God, why can't people just get along and love each other? God, why is my friend dying of cancer? Why is this marriage falling apart? Why is my marriage, not mine, I'm just using that hypothetically. Why is my marriage falling apart? Why am I struggling with an addiction? Why, why? Here's what I found. They'll drive you absolutely crazy unless Jesus gets your attention, which then changes your pursuit, which then builds your faith to help you realize that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it looks, there's a king, there's a sign. He came for you, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. I mean, if we were real honest, and and I was just to say, how many, let me just, how many are facing just like challenges in this season? Financial, emotional, physical, relational, I mean, hands everywhere. It's maybe because there's other things that have got our attention. 
And in the midst of all those pressures, what if we just stopped, push that stuff aside and just got, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna give you my attention. Because when I turn my eyes to Jesus, everything else just gets strangely dim. And what happens? You begin to see a change. So what do you want to do? You want to run after him all the more. And it builds your faith to go, I don't care what comes my way. God's in my corner. I can do this. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That comes because you put your attention in the right place. You pursued the right thing. It builds your faith. And what happens? We live a victorious life. Why not make the rest of this Christmas season a season of victory? A season with our eyes focused on Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you go ahead and bow your, bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I just want to just say a simple prayer and then I'm going to have the worship team sing a song and we're going to go eat some fudge. Maybe you came in here this morning, you were either at Live Love yesterday and were invited or maybe a friend brought you or you saw something online and you came in here. And maybe you're on that journey. And maybe even this message is assigned to you. Maybe the invitation was assigned to you. Maybe your challenges that you're going through, you're just going, I don't know where to turn. And for the first time I hear, maybe that there's someone that can help me. Maybe that's your sign. Here's what I know. Jesus came for you because he loved you. He knew that you would have problems and challenges. He knew that you would sin like the rest of us. And that would cause separation from God. So the reason he came was to love you, to forgive you, to pay the price for your sins so that you could be eternally connected back with God and have abundant life. And it really comes down just to this, just going, I'm gonna get my attention off my problems and my world and my addictions. This morning, I'm gonna make a decision to put my attention on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. He promises you if you'll do that, he'll give you a new life, a new start, a new nature, forgive you, be your friend forever, give you eternal life in heaven. I think that's a pretty good deal. And so if you're here this morning and that's you and you're just going, man, I came in here this morning, man, what a great day to get my life right with God. If you're here, just lift your hand up and say, Pastor Mark, that's me, would you pray for me? I'm not going to put you on the spot, ask you to come forward. It's between you and Jesus to simply just say, Pastor Mark, you're speaking to me. Put your hand up right now. Just say, that's me. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Come on, just put your hand up. Be the greatest decision you'll ever make. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Guy up here as well. Service Toast is just going to give you a card. And we just simply put that in your hand because we want, want to just be able to pray for you. Just be able to connect with you. That's all we want to do. Anyone else, just just put their hand up. If you're online, there's a little button there you can click and a little service host will even connect with you digitally. Thank you, ma'am. That's awesome. 
Lord, we thank you for these beautiful people that you brought into our family today. Lord, we're all on a journey. Lord, we're all trying to figure out this thing called life. Manor House, a church for the journey. We're on a journey. Lord, would you come, Lord, into the heart and life of every person, both in this room or those that would be online, that just need to just take that step with you. Lord, would you forgive them? Would you come and fill their heart with your love? God, would you become their Lord and Savior? Lord, would you help them to follow you all the days of their life? Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, for everyone else in this room and online, God, I just pray special favor and grace. Lord, in this beautiful season, Lord, as we leave here today, God, let us not be too busy that our attention's not on you. Let us enjoy family. Let us enjoy gifts. But God, our attention's on you, our pursuits after you. God, would you build our faith for the days ahead? We're gonna definitely need it. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen, you can do better than that. And everybody said? Amen. Why don't you put your hands together for Jesus this morning? awesome. Hey, I think it'd be great to celebrate. Don't you think? Why don't we just sing one song before we leave today? Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing the song. We'll wrap it up. God bless you. Have a great Christmas. Thank you for listening to another Mana House message. Our hope is that you find fresh bread for your journey each time you join us here. Until next time.